And uh, glad you're here for Purple Sunday. And glad a lot of you wore purple. Um, I couldn't get my wife to approve a purple shirt for me to wear this morning. So I, I, I kind of threw the hint last night that I had a TCU Horn Frogs t-shirt. You know, got a big horn frog on it, you know, purple. But uh, she didn't go for that. So, uh, but glad that you're here. And uh, you don't get the surprise that the first service got uh, the ice cream truck. I don't mean that it's leaving. I just mean you don't get the surprise. It'll be there when you, <laughs> if it's service is over. If I don't preach too long, I think he's leaving at 1230, so y'all don't hurry out, all right? But, uh, but you, don't get, you don't get the surprise. Uh, but glad that you're here. Uh, and, and I think I just noticed that they even put purple on the, on the wall back here today in a different color back there. But glad that you're here. And I want to hurry into this because I got a lot to preach this morning. This was a very, this was a very big undertaking to imagine that I was going to preach to you the story of God, right? And especially in three sermons. So I, I said that last week, and because, uh, you, you know, there's how many hours, how many Sundays, how many months would, you t- would it take to say everything you could say about God? And if we said all those things, we would still just be scratching the surface of who God is. And so the things we said last night, I want you to, I want you to hang on to this. I want you, don't want you to lose this. Just because I said it last week doesn't mean it's not important anymore. Is that God is bigger than our box. Okay? So... Every time you hear something about God, maybe it stretches your box, your understanding of who he is. But you keep stretching that and stretching that and growing that and growing that. And no matter how big you can get your understanding of him, he's still bigger than that. And here, here's, here's the danger in that, is that if you make him fit in that box, if you don't let him be bigger than your box, you're missing out on so much more that God can do in your life. And I mean, you, you've got some great, awesome testimonies, I mean, in this room right now. But there's so much more that God can and wants to do in your life. But you've got to believe bigger than that box. And you hear me quote that scripture, don't you, often, that he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above everything we can even ask or even think and dream about. So no matter how big your box is, understand, he's bigger than that. And that means he's also autonomous. He doesn't ask us what the rules ought to be. And he's sovereign. That means he controls everything. And those sound like bad things unless you're on his side. If you're on his side, you're glad that he's autonomous and somebody else isn't making the rules out there. And you're glad that he's sovereign and they don't have more power than he does if you're on his side. All of that is good stuff. Hang on to that. Now, I don't mean just for this sermon series. That, like, you know, remember that he's bigger than your box because we're building on that today. That's not what I mean. I mean for the rest of your life. This, this is good stuff. You need to understand this. And understand that he's a big God all the time. And, and why, why is it that we need to know who God is? Why, why do we need to study this? It's because, it's because of this thing. It's like he can do so much more in your life. Here's, here, here's, I'm going to say this to you before we pray real quick. And, and i got a lot to say. I, this, this week I just realized, you know, it, it, the problem wasn't finding something to say. The problem was fi- trying to determine what not to say because there's too much to say about God today. But a lot of you still have needs, you have problems, you have areas of your life that, that God is yet to like just flood in with his blessing and just minister to and take care of. You still got problems, you still got questions, you still got doubts, and, and you wonder, well, why aren't these, let, let, me, let me give you a secret here. The secret is not in praying five more times and that's going to get you there. I'm not saying don't keep praying, keep praying, okay, keep telling him. But that's not the secret. The secret is, is instead of focusing on all those things, start focusing on him. The relationship, getting to know him, learning about him, in, like in this message. Okay, let me give you an example. Because hopefully, I hope this happened to you, because it happens to me all the time. 
Maybe it happened to you this morning. If not this morning, maybe in another, in another service. But you know how it is? You, 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 know, you, you live out there you know, six days, you, you, you work, and maybe you try to get some things done on Saturday, whatever, you know, and life is just crushing in on you, and you're just bound, and you're tied up, you know, and you, you, got, so many, you got so many decisions you got to make. you got so many things you're struggling with, so many, uh, so many problems that, you know, and like this week, you've got some you know, bills coming up that you don't know how in the world you're going to pay. You know, you got problems at school. you got, you got decisions to make about your future, and, and you don't have any clue how in the world you're going to get all that figured out and solved. And you come in, and, and then people start worshiping, and you join in and worship with them, and, and God's Spirit just kind of comes into, into our presence. And you know what the Word says about His Spirit? That, when, that where His Spirit is, there's liberty. All of a sudden, it's like the Holy Spirit is just, just kind of untying the knots of the ropes that are around you, and you just start feeling a release and a freedom. And if, it, and if it's just for those 15 or 20 minutes, those three songs when Jamie is leading us, it's just like there's a release and like, a, wow, this is amazing. And everything else is gone. You know why? Because you quit focusing all that on all of that and you made those moments about him. You made those moments about him. And when you make it about him, then all these other things begin to happen. It's quit focusing on your stuff. Quit focusing on your problems. Quit focusing on how can I pray a little bit better so God can give me the, all these things I need and start making it about him. So, so, you know, you got problems at school. You got problems with your parents. You got problems with you, you know, in your marriage. Make it all about him. And I'm going to share a little bit about that with you today, but, 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 but don't even do it. Listen, don't even do it for that reason. Okay, listen, if, if the only reason you're going to listen to this message today is because you've got problems, you've got to figure this out, you've got to, you've got to have some help, then do that. But I'm praying somewhere in this, somewhere between this point and the end of this message, you decide, you know, but you go from a place of, okay, I'm going to do this because it's the right thing to do, to a place of, man, I need to do this because this this is the food. This is the fuel. This is the breath. This is the, the air. This is the, this is the nutrition for my life. I've got to do this. That's what I pray happens to you. Let's pray right now and jump into this message. i, I got to hurry. There's so much I need to share this morning. God, I pray, Lord, that you just help us with it. Thank you, God, for that taste, Lord, of that freedom, God. You just remind us, Lord. But God, we, we need it more than just for 15 or 20 minutes. God, we need it more for this hour and 20 minutes that we spend together today. Oh, God, we, we, we need it, Lord, more for that. God, and we, we just ask you, please, that you would just, God, help us, Lord, to, to, to see this and start finding ways to make every bit of it about you. I pray, God, just stir in this message, God, and Lord, have us, let us have a great closing in your presence, in your spirit today, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Okay, so I'm going to walk you through the Bible, because let me tell you the first thing. I'm going to walk you through the Bible here for just a few moments, because the first thing you need, there's two ways, I want to tell you, two ways that you're going to know God, and this is the first way. He tells us who he is right here in this word, and you can't really know who he is unless you get into this, and if the only time you get into this is when you're listening to me on Sunday morning, that's not enough. You're not going to know enough about who God is just by hearing me for a few moments, or if you maybe even attend a small group, that extra 10, 15, 20-minute devotion that you get, that's not enough. you got to get into this to know who he is, and let's get into it just a little bit and see who he is. In the book of Genesis, let's just begin right there. We begin at the beginning. Last week, we began before the beginning. You remember? Because we said that John chapter 1 says that in the beginning, the word already was. I mean, he already was. He was even before the beginning. So that's a lot of what we talked about last week. But this week, let's start at the beginning of the Bible. So here we go. Genesis chapter 1. And God has created the heavens and the earth. Everything is beautiful. Everything is wonderful. He gets down to verse 26, and the word tells us that God said, let us make man in our own image. Okay. 
okay, listen, that Trinity thing, here it is again. God's, you know, God's not crazy, you know, talking to himself, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, you know, this is the Trinity, that three is one and one is three, and we don't understand it, that's who he is. And so when he says that, you know, he, he is conferring among himself in some way that, you know, you and I don't understand, but that's what he's saying. And let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created him. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. So God's got all this stuff and he puts it all under the control of man. He basically makes, uh, puts us in dominion over these things. Sorry, allergies this time of year just drives me crazy. Uh, and I may have to, have to have several sips of that to get through today. But here, here's what's happened. God has created the universe and the earth, right? And it's all good. You know how we know that? Because God said it was. You know, he said he, he created the light and he, and he created the moon. And, and he said the, the evening and the morning were the first day. And then what did he say? He said, that's good. You know, it's like God looks back and says, mm, that's good. You know, okay. And God, God's, he's approving himself. He said, man, this looks good. This, and he goes through this whole thing. It looks good. It looks good. It looks good. But then he gets down here and there's something still missing. There's something still, you know, you ever created anything? You ever, you, all, you ever create something? Like you ladies, you know, you create a dish, you know, you, you make something, you make a cake. And I don't mean a Betty Crocker, I mean you really make a cake. I mean you get it, you know, and you create some masterpiece or whatever, and you pull it out, and it's awesome when, when it comes out, you know, and it's perfect, and you look at it, and the smell is, is wonderful. But, you know, if the house is empty, you're kind of looking around saying, man, I, what do you think? I wish I had somebody to share this with, right? Or you think, what, what you really want is you want to cut a slice of that and hand it to somebody and then take a bite of it and say, mmm, man, this tastes awesome. That's where God was. God says, man, I've got this big, beautiful thing. Now, who am I going to share this with? And, and, he, and he, he couldn't share it with the sun. He couldn't share it with the dust of the earth. He couldn't even share it with the squirrels that ran around or up in the trees that he had created. He needed somebody special. And so that's why he said, let's create man in our own image. Now, I look at you and I say, y'all don't look like what I picture God to be, you know, physically speaking, uh, you know, those kinds of things. You don't look like what I picture God to be, but there's something about you that is different than every other animal that was ever created. You know what it is? You know what it is? It occurred to me one day, the thing that is different than me and you is the way we worship. There is no other creature, there is no animal that has ever created a place to worship. I mean, look, look, look on this road just right up and down Mount Olive Road. How many churches did you pass on your way to church this morning? And we create all these places to worship. Now, I know some of you are saying, well, animals don't build houses. Animals, animals don't build houses? Y'all need to come to my house, and y'all can help me get the nests off of my front porch and all the other stuff that comes because of the nests that are on the top. You know, you can help me. I mean, yeah, they create a lot of stuff, don't they? Or in my backyard, I got some kind of varmint that's digging holes and, and got networks of holes, you know, and there's a hole where it goes down over here and a hole where it comes up over here. Yeah, they build stuff. Or beavers, anybody, you ever seen beavers? Beavers build two kinds, they build houses and they build dams. And the dams are there to serve their houses or their lodge, as we call them. They build lots of stuff, but nothing builds places of worship. They, they, don't, they don't have this desire to worship, but mankind does. And you think about it, as we say, in the deepest, darkest jungles of Africa, you know, or in the rainforests of South America. Even, even in this country, before, before uh, uh, th this word ever arrived at this country, the Native Americans as well. Think about what man, men have done throughout all of history is they have devised ways to worship 
Even when they didn't know what to worship, even when they didn't have this word to tell them about God, what does man do? Man tries to find ways to worship. You know, and so, so we've got all these tribal things and we've got all these weird religions out here because people are saying, there's something in me that's got to worship something big. And so we, we search and we strive for it. You know, because God put inside of you a desire to connect with him. And here to me, I'm going to give it to you, the theme of the Bible to me is that God wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to connect. He wants to have a He doesn't want you to show up and give him a visit. You know, uh, you see that sign, uh, a billboard somewhere that says, you know, God's not into weekend visitation. Uh, you know, he doesn't want that. He wants to be your all-time father. I mean, every day, 24-7, he wants to have relationship with you. And you look through, in the book of Genesis, you just keep going through the book, and you know what you find? You find God trying to connect with people until finally he finds Abram, and he calls Abram, renames him Abraham, and, and he says, I want to make you a great nation. And, and then into Israel, we see all the promise and everything going as God, as God makes covenant with Abraham and Israel. And then we see this covenant fulfilled and, and see God working through this covenant all the rest of the Old Testament, even into the New Testament. And we get right after Genesis, we get into the rest of the Torah, uh, as the Jews call it, or we sometimes say the Pentateuch or, or the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And you know what it's all about? It's all about God. God craves to have somebody belong to him. God wants somebody to belong to him. Anybody want to belong to God? Oh, there's a good reason. There's a lot of good reasons to. And you see in, in the book of Exodus, these are just a few of the times that he calls Israel my people. Now, you, know, you remember the story where Pharaoh, you know, Israel is serving as slaves in Egypt, and Moses is sent by God to go to Pharaoh and said, you got to let them go. And when he says, let them go, he doesn't say, you got to let those slaves go. He doesn't say, you got to let those Hebrews go. He doesn't say, you got to let those Israelites go. He said, let my people go. Now, this is, this is the way God does. He doesn't point his finger and say, oh, that one or that one. He calls us by name. And the favorite thing he likes to call us is my people or my son or my daughter. That's, that's what God wants. God wants a connection with you. He wants a relationship with you. That's why he calls them my people. Let me show you also in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 8. And here's where, here's where uh, you know, God is sending plagues on, on Egypt to try and get Pharaoh to let go of his people. And, and Moses said, tomorrow God's going to send swarms of flies in to Egypt. But verse uh, 23 says, God says, I will make a distinction between my people and your people. He says, swarms of flies are going to cover Egypt, but there's going to be an invisible fence between your people and my people. There's not a fly going to get in the backyard of one of my people. I'm going to make a distinction. Are you listening to that? Here's what God does. This is who God is. Is, is everything in the world could be falling apart, but God makes a distinction for his people. There, there, may be, there may be troubles everywhere, but God makes a distinction for his people. And you may be saying, well, wait, but wait a minute. I'm, I'm still dealing with the same stuff everybody else is dealing with. Well, what you've got to do is you've got to quit making this about you anymore. Start making it about him, and he'll start making a distinction. This is who God wants, this is who God wants to be in your life. The God who makes a distinction over you. That you're someone distinct. You're someone he looks at. You're someone he exalts. You're someone he blesses. You're someone he pours into. You're someone he protects. Oh, and we'll look at that as well. Also, uh, in the book of uh, Exodus, says, if you lend money to one of my people, like this. This is where God, God kind of, okay, you know, Jesus is going to be the big brother here now. Come on, now, listen. You lend money to one of my people. He said, you better treat them right. You know, what, he, what he's saying is, he's saying, if you Israelites loan money to one of your brethren or somebody in your family, he could have said that. 
That's who he's talking to. He's talking to Israelites about loaning to other Israelites, but that's not what he said. He said, if you loan money to one of my people, okay, he could have just said your brothers. He could have said your family, but he said, oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. This is my people, and if you do something with my people, you better treat them right. Anybody want to serve that kind of God? He wants somebody to belong to him, and this is the way he treats the people who belong to him. He stands up for them, and he says, if you're going to do anything with my people, you better treat them right. And then we go over to the book of Numbers, and, he, and there's several things, times there that, that the, uh, my people are mentioned. There's a couple of them listed there. But the book of Deuteronomy, I got I to give you this one. Here's where God says, and my people have lost their good sense. I had to read that one to you, right? <laughs> my people have lost their good sense. I like that because I've pastored for quite a few years, and I've pastored some people who have lost their good sense sometimes. You ever lost your good sense? Yeah, you ever make mistakes? You ever not know, he said they are not able to understand. Have you ever not been able to understand? Have you ever, you know, and you know what? God craves for someone to belong to him so badly. He's even willing to take crazy people. And you know what? I think that means a lot of you are qualified. Come on, somebody, say amen. That means when you mess up, when you've made a mistake, when you've been stupid in your decisions and you didn't understand what you need to do and you did something stupid, God says, but they're still my people. Man, I love that. Now listen, I, I grew up around some people that, that they, they believe God was standing up in heaven with, with a book of life in one hand and one of those big magic markers. You know the ones that the, that the cheerleaders use on Friday nights, make those huge posters, you know, about that wide. And God's just waiting. He's just looking around. He's waiting for one of you to commit a sin so he can scratch you out of the book. That's not the God that I see in the Bible. He's not, he's not looking for you to mess up so he can scratch you off and say, you don't belong to me anymore. You know what I see? I see a God that says, because they're my people, when they stumble. We sang it just a few moments ago. Every time I stumble, every time I stumble, he is always right there by my side picking me up because I'm still his people. That's who he is still looking over me. He wants, he craves for somebody to belong to him. Any takers this morning? Anybody want to belong to him? He wants you to have a go. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. So, so that's me. Hear me, God. Here I am. And then we get in the historical books. We're going through the whole Bible, so we've got to hurry, don't we? We're going through the historical books. Now, here's one where I had to just start cutting stuff out. I mean, I got, I got lists. I got stuff. You all want to see the rest of my message or want to hear the rest of it? Just tell me, and we'll spend a couple hours this afternoon. Because, man, I just, I, I, honestly, I, was, I wasn't building a sermon. I was cutting a sermon down all week long, just trying to get it down within, within 30 minutes or so. I was cutting it down. Here's another place. I mean, how in the world do I tell you about all these stories of Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and about how God protected and delivered? Let, let me show you one right here in, in the book of Ruth. That, that's, that's one I want to bring to your attention. I, I just feel led that this is, this is the one you need to hear. It's because a lot of times when we see, we see the rules, and that's what we see in the Old Testament, is we say, oh man, God's just a God of rules. He just wants this and that. You got to do it this and this, this. Can I, can I tell you something first? Can I tell you that with any relationship, there are going to be rules? Come on, young ladies. You know, you need to tell the guys in your life, you want a relationship with me? There are going to be some rules. I, boy, I should have heard some dad say, hey, amen. <laughs> you want a relationship with my daughter? There are going to be some rules. There are going to be some rules, but the rules are not to destroy. The rules are to, to repair. The rules are to strengthen. The rules are to take care of us. And Ruth, I don't know if you know the story or not, but Ruth was a young widow. She was a young widow, didn't have any kids, didn't have anybody to take care of her. And, and she ends up coming back. She's not even an Israelite. She comes back to Israel. And because of the rules that God had them set up of the gleanings, of, of, a, of, a, of allowing people to be, to, to, to those who are poor and needy, to, to glean from the leftovers that are in the field, that's what she was doing. 
And I don't have time to preach her the message, but while she was just stepping into these rules and just doing things, and other people were having to obey the rules, you know what God did? What God did is He rescued her out of her out of her uh, widowhood I and mean, he gave her a, a great husband and gave her more tea. She was just looking for enough bread to get through the day and God gave her enough bread. I mean, God, God gave her a man and, and, she, and, she, and she married this man named Boaz and she became the great, 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 I don't know how many greats, but she became one of the great, great grandmothers of Jesus Christ himself. Why? Because of the rules. You understand, this is who God is. This is what God does. The rules that He makes so He can bless us. Here, get in this rule right here because the blessing's about to fall down right there. That's what He does. He said, this is where it's going to happen. So here's the step in the box and let me do something for you. This past week I asked God, and I do, the, I do this probably every week, sometimes several times during the week. I say, God, what is it you want me to tell these people this week? Sometimes I say it even toward the end of the message, and I'm like I've already, you know, or the end of my preparation. It's like, still, God, God, what is it that they need to hear? And one time this week, God, God answered that. I mean, it was almost like it was everything but verbal. I mean, out loud, I just heard these words: "Tell them I can be trusted." And you know what I did is I went, you know, I went to the computer and I, I typed it in, but I said, you know. It'd probably be better to say it this way, and I retyped it. And then yesterday, as I was going through this message again, God reminded me, that ain't what I said. So I changed it back, and I changed it back that you can trust God. You can trust God. Because God reminded me yesterday afternoon that somebody, I don't know who you are, but somebody needed to hear that. I know we've got well over 100 people attending this church that were not in church before coming to 2911. So I know that a lot of you don't even know that you can trust God. He wants you to know you can trust Him. And some of those, some of those that weren't in church, you, it's because you were in a church and you got hurt. And you got hurt by people who called themselves Christians. And you got hurt by people who said, said they were following God when they hurt you. And so now you don't know that you can trust any Christian or God. And God wants you to know you can trust Him. He wants to provide for you. Put yourself in the middle of, of this relationship. And yeah, if it's got some rules, fine. Don't worry about the rules. Just worry about the relationship. Because He wants to provide for you. And you can trust Him. And somebody needed to hear that. And then we get into the poetry books. I don't have time to tell you about them, but you know, there's a lot of wisdom that is there. But there's one, there's one, last, there's one little thing I want to tell you about the, these poetry books. I want to tell you, you know, in the book of Psalms, and I'm, I'm right now I'm in the middle of, I think I'm in like chapter 86 in the book of Psalms. And, and, and you know, sometimes we forget that David didn't write all the Psalms. And, and if, you, if you read there at the top, just, top of just about every chapter, you'll see who, who wrote that, that God moved up on them to write that. Sometimes I, I, sometimes I don't read that. As I, I just start reading the psalm, and I get down halfway through it a lot of times, and I think, David didn't write this. And I'll go back and look at the top of the chapter and say, yep, somebody else wrote it. One of the sons of Korah or, or Asaph, one of, the, one of those uh, musicians wrote that. And, and it's just something different about it. There's something different about David's writing. Because sometimes David's even angry with God. You, you know, I mean, he, I, I don't have time to give you the, ex, uh, the examples, but he, he, sometimes he's questioning God, like, God, why do you do this? How long are you going to wait? When are you going to deliver us, God? When? And, and he's, you know what? And you can only be that real with God when you got relationship. I mean, it's dangerous, point your finger. If you don't know God, it's dangerous, point your finger at him, say, who do you think you are? Why are you? It's dangerous. But David, 
I mean, a lot of this, and listen, all of the Psalms are great. They're all the Word of God, but there is something different about David's. You know why? Because it's almost like, it's almost like the musicians heard David talk about how great God was. But David experienced it for himself. It's almost like he had a, just a, a deeper level of experience. And when he writes the Psalms, it's like, oh man, yeah, you're talking about God right where I live. So what's your praise like? That's my question I got for What's your praise like? You know, when we're singing, I mean, what, do you just read the words that are up there? And oh, yeah. well, then you know what you're doing? You're doing what I said these other guys do. It's like you're talking about God from the perspective of somebody else who wrote some other words. You know, yeah, let me tell you something. I said this one time before. I want to say it again today because I know some of you missed it and some of you forgot it. Probably most of you forgot it. We don't have guitar solos around here. You know? You know, sometimes the screen goes blank like that last song. I think it did, you know? And I think the song we're about to do at the close of this message, the screen's going to go blank for just a few moments. And it's not so you can hear the guitarist or hear the drums or anything. Because we don't, we don't do music, musician solos. We do have solos, but they're your solos. That when the screen goes blank, it's time for you to tell God what he means to you. For you to not tell God what he, mean, what he means to Jamie what she's, when she says, let's all tell God how much we... No, 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 not to tell God what, you, what he means to Jamie. Or not to tell God what the, the person who wrote those words, what, what God means to them. But for you to tell... That's your time for your soul. So the next time we're singing and you see that screen go blank, you understand. It's time for me to tell God how I feel about it. It's time for me to step into a David role and say, David, uh, say, God, this is where I was. I was like David. I was in this place. And I was, and God, this is who you are. And for you to tell what's your praise like. You need, a, you need a relationship that doesn't connect through somebody on your way to God. You need your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And then the prophets. Oh, man, uh, again, uh, this was a place I started listing stuff out. Oh, man, we're going to say this, going to say this. I ain't got time for all that. There's a whole lot of stuff written in the prophets. There's, there's uh, uh, 17 of them. And all, the, all those prophets listed right there, I mean, there's, there's stuff about there's judgment coming or, or God's warning them, saying, God, uh, Israel, you're going in the wrong direction. If you keep going this way, disaster's going to happen. There's a lot of that kind of stuff that is there. But you know, in 13 of those prophetic books, 13 out of 17 of them, the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. You know what God was doing? He was getting Israel and the whole world ready to expect to receive the Messiah. Jesus Christ was going to be born in a couple hundred years or 400 years or five or whatever. He, he was getting them ready to receive the Messiah because you know what? The relationship is about to change. Do you know relationships go in stages? They get deeper, right? I hope, you know. You know, like, like puppy love to infatuation, maybe that kind of thing. Or, or the first time you saw, you saw that girl, you said, mm, she is pretty. She is good looking. I, you know, I hope it goes deeper than that. If you've been married 20 years, I certainly hope that it's deeper than she was good looking. And that's because if it ain't, you probably got problems. Relationships have to change. They go deeper. And that's what, that's what God was doing right here. Is he was saying, my son is coming. And relationships are about to change. And so we step over into the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospels, and they start telling the story of Jesus. And you know why Jesus came? You know why Jesus came? Say, uh, save me from my sins? Yeah, that's part of it. But that's not why he came. He didn't come to save you from your sin. He came to, he came to save you from your sin, but he, he saved you from your sin for another reason. To take you to another level in relationship. Because in the Old Testament... They never really knew who God was. Oh, he's that God that 
Pharaoh says, oh, y'all are messing up. Let me scatter y'all up, you know, and they can't bless you now for a little while till you get right. He's just the God that, you know what? Jesus shows up and he says, you guys don't even know who my daddy is. You, know, you ain't even got a clue who my daddy is. Let me show you who my... And so he walked on the face of this earth for 30, 32, 33 years. And, and, and he reached out in love and, and he cared and, and he pulled people in and, and he rescued and he healed and, and he forgave and he did all those things. And finally we said, wow, is this who God is? That's why Jesus came and so we would know who God was. And yes, he did come to forgive us of our sin, but it's so that we could have real relationship with God. Because our sin, uh, we know because the book of Hebrews tells us that the sacrifices they were doing back in the Old Testament could never take away their sin. That's why Jesus had to die for their sin. So what that means is there was always going to be separation between man and God. And so Jesus came to this earth to say, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to, I'm going to die for your sin so that your sin can be forgiven and, and get rid of everything that's between you and God. And you know, it's like his one final symbol of that. When Jesus was hanging on the cross and, and he breathed his last breath and, and he said, it is finished. And he died. Darkness came upon the, the face of the earth, it says. And there was a great earthquake. And in the temple, in the temple, between the place where God's holy presence was, called the Holy of Holies, that was the place where and only, only the high priest could go one time a year. Man could not connect with that presence of God. They couldn't handle it because they weren't forgiven. But when Jesus died on the cross and he, and he breathed his last and, and the earthquake happened and the sky grew dark and he was dead, it said that the temple veil was torn from the top to the bottom. And it, and it let us know in Scripture that it was torn from top to bottom because it was 60 foot tall. You know what that means? That means you and I didn't do it. You know, a couple of priests didn't go in there and stand on each other's shoulders and do it. It's letting us know that to let us know that God went in and ripped the, and ripped the temple veil. And I, I kind of just have in my mind that it was Jesus himself said, look, I came to get rid of everything that is between you and God and said the last thing I'm going to get rid of I'm getting rid of this veil because from now and you know what you and I we were invited this morning because the veil is gone when, when, when worship happened we were invited to step into his presence not, not, not physically step in but literally spiritually step into the presence of God why? because the veil is gone because sin is gone because, because now we understand our understanding is open and we understand who God really is and that he wants us to be there and if you have sin in your life, all you have to do is paid for. All you have to do is just believe in him for the forgiveness of that sin. Thank, I believe you died on that cross. You can do that right this very second. I believe you died on that cross just, just to get rid of my sin so I could have a relationship with you. That's all you got to do. Just believe in him. You can do it at the end of this You can do it any time. Just believe in him. But let me go on the book of Acts. We all know the book of Acts is when the, when the church was born. And we know that the book of Acts is when the Holy Spirit showed up. And, and some of, that's, that's a confusing thing for a lot of people. Let me give you something. I, I want to give you just a little bridge. I don't have time to preach on the Holy Spirit right now, but I want to give you just a little bridge. Think God's presence. When you think Holy Spirit, think God's presence. Because if you look back at the Old Testament, you see how the, how the Spirit of God moved and, and that Shekinah, uh, you know, the, uh, the kabod, uh, the, the glory of God sometimes would appear. And it would appear there, but it would appear at the temple. Well, guess what? It doesn't appear in the building anymore because you're the temple of God now. And so now it's not there anymore. It's on all of you. And it's not just in the Old Testament. It said that the Spirit of God would move upon a man. It'd say it moved upon him or it moved upon her. So it moved upon one or two at a time or here or there, just here or there at times. But now the Holy Spirit is poured out. His presence is poured out on us. You don't just have the Holy Spirit just showing up. You can have the Holy Spirit indwelling you, empowering you. The Holy Spirit is a, 
You know, and, and I kind of hesitate sometimes. You know, I kind of I kind of don't want to just just dwell on this too much because I don't, I don't want people chasing after just the gifts. But the Holy Spirit has awesome gifts. You know, and, and I, get, I, get these, uh, I get these Facebook prayer requests a lot. You know, please pray for somebody who's sick or whatever. And, and you know, it's people that I never go to church. I don't mean they don't come here. They don't go anywhere. So what do I do? Throw them away? No, I don't throw them away. I, I pray for them anyway. They need prayer. I pray for them. But, you know, there's a difference because what the Holy Spirit does, the Holy Spirit actually moves in a gift of healing. It's not just a prayer. Let's pray and hope God heals. There is a gift of healing that operates through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's, it is so much, it's not just a prayer. Oh, somebody's sick in body. Let's pray and hope that God will do something for him. It's not a prayer of hope. But when you have a relationship with God, you are connected in such a way. There is a gift of healing. There are gifts of miracles. There are gifts of wisdom and knowledge. And so when you have a misunderstanding or doubt or you need to make a decision, all of this is provided through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the relationship is changing. It's getting closer. Because here's what, here's what, oh, here's a sermon here I, will, I really want to preach. In Ephesians, there are two places. And one place in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, uh, 1, verse 22, I believe it is, where, 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 uh, where it said that Jesus, what Jesus did was he left us the surety or the seal of the Holy Spirit as a promise that he was going to return. You see, the final thing that's going to happen in this relationship is we're going to be married to, get, to Jesus. The, the Bible talks about it a lot. He's the bridegroom. We are his bride. We're not married to him yet. We're, we're getting there. But he has left us a seal. The Holy Spirit is like that engagement ring to let us know he's coming back. Oh, you know what? That, that Holy Spirit is like an engagement ring to let us know, to, to let the enemy know that if he starts trying to tread on this property, he's treading on Jesus' property because I've got, I'm wearing Jesus' engagement ring. I've got the seal of his spirit. I've got the surety or the guarantee that he is coming back and that I'm going to be married to him one day. The church is going to be married. We're going to be married to him. We're going to be united to him one day in a way that we can never be separated. Much deeper than it is right. And that's where we are right now. But, but, but here's the thing. It, it is about, it's about that. You know, you ladies, you want the ring, don't you? You young ladies, you want the ring, don't you? Or you, you older ladies, you wanted the ring, right? But the way to get the ring wasn't say, I want a ring, 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 I want a ring. The way to get the ring was to develop the relationship. The ring comes from relationship. So I can tell you, oh, here's what you need to do, and this is what, no, no, no. Throw all that away. The answer to just about everything in your life is, you need a deeper relationship with God. That's what, the, that's what the Bible teaches us. That's what it's all about. The answer to just about every problem you've got in your life is you need to go just go deeper with God. The answer's there. You're going to find it. It's coming. Don't seek the need. Don't seek the miracle. Seek the God of the miracle. And the ring is coming. And the epistles. Don't have time to preach about the epistles, but you know what they do? First thing they tell you, that, that first verse there, I was going to say, everything Jesus did, he did for this reason, that he could present you to himself. Just like a, a bridegroom. He said, man, I'm doing everything I can. Make her pretty. We'll buy her all kinds of stuff. Make her pretty. Every time we go out, everybody's going to look at, look at her and say, man, you, you know, you're, you're, you're lucky to have a girl like her. That's what Jesus is doing with the church. 
He wants everything he's doing. That. And then the, the epistles, all they did, they just support that. I had some scriptures. We don't have time to read them. I had some scriptures I want to share with you about it, just showing that. That's what the epistles did is, is they just supported that because this relationship is about to change. You know where it changed? The book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is the prophetic book. And we really like to get into all that prophecy, don't we? Man, we like to talk about the mark of the beast and the Antichrist and all those symbols and signs and, and, and the, uh, the, uh, the judgment, the tribulation that's coming on this earth. And you know, and I know that all that stuff is in there, but that's not what I read it for. I remember reading, I remember, man, as a young, young Christian, man, I love to get into that because, man, that was some crazy weird stuff. But, man, I read it today for something else. You read those first three chapters. You know what it is? It's Jesus speaking to his church and saying, come on, uh, let's fix this so we can be closer. And you know what? Here, here's what I read that whole book, the message of the book of Revelation, is that God has a plan for you past this life that you be with him in eternity. And I don't have time to preach anymore on that because that's where we're going next week in the conclusion of this message. But let me tell you the second thing. My time's up. I got one more thing. I told you that there's two ways to get close to God or know, know him. And, and one is the Bible. What's the other? Well, I've spent all my time, so I don't have time to tell you that other one. I'm going to hold it next week. No. The second thing is relationship. You learn him by being in relationship with him. You learn him through experience. So in reality, I've been preaching about both of them, the word and relationship the whole time because the word to me is about relationship. You learn them both. I mean, that's what it is. But I, I saved this for this last moment because I wanted you to see something. The, the second thing I want you to see about relationship, you got the first one? Yeah, okay. The second thing I want you to see is your relationship must be in agreement with this. He is, uh, he is autonomous. You don't make the rules. And, and, and word of God, first, uh, first John tells us, it says, test the spirits to see whether they be of God. Because there's a lot of false prophets out there in the next couple of verses, you know what it says? It says, make sure that what they say about Jesus lines up with this word. Now, that's a paraphrase. But make sure that they, what they say about Jesus is that he did come in the flesh and da-da-da. So test it to this word. And there's a whole lot of stuff. And, you know, here's, here's what happens to people. Is some people get to a place where, man, I'm just so deep in relationship with God, I don't, I don't need to read the Bible anymore. That's why you got so many weirdos out there with so many weird ideas about who God is. Because it don't line up with this anymore. And every time, you get a, every time you get a revelation, you better line up with this word. I really didn't intend, but both services, God has brought, brought this back to my mind. I didn't intend to be this point blank, this in your face, but I'm going to be it because both services, God brought it to my mind. Listen, an example. God will never tell you to leave your wife or leave your spouse, your husband, and marry somebody else. Why? Because Malachi says, God says, I hate divorce. So God can't tell you, you need to get a divorce. Why would God say that? He said, I hate divorce. Doesn't mean he hates divorced people. We got a lot of divorced people sitting here. But if you're divorced, you probably hate divorce more than anybody else because you know how divorce tears lives up. Not just marriages, but lives and kids and everything. So we all hate divorce. But the point is, God is not going to tell you to leave your spouse for somebody else because he hates divorce, his word says. He's not going to tell you to lay at home and let the government pay the bills because there's plenty of programs out there that can take care of everybody. He's not going to tell you to do that because his word says anybody that does not provide for his family is worse than an infidel. So he's not going to, you understand? Is you, you get this idea in your head that, oh, well, you know what? God's probably like this and like this. You better line this up with this or you're going to be running down a road and you're going to find yourself at a dead end somewhere wondering where in the world is God? 
He's way back where you left him with his word and where the stuff that you started living by didn't line up with his word. It is important. You are going to learn more and more about God every day you spend with him through your experiences with him. But make sure your experiences line up with this. Make sure every word that you hear in your head and in your heart line up with it. And if it don't, throw it away. Because you know, when I read this word, what I get is, I don't think it's important how loud you shout on Sunday as much as how important it is what you speak on Monday. It's not as important how well you play up here, but how well you pray out there. Or how high you jump. Now, I, I get a little jumpy every once in a while. I got a little bit of a headbanger in me, too. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Just growing up guitar music, I guess, or something. I don't know. But it's not important how high you jump right here, right now. What's important is how straight you walk when you leave those doors. It's got to line up with this or it won't be right. But if it's right, there is so much, there's so much that you have yet to scratch the surface that he wants to do for you. And if, that's, and if, and if, you're, if you're still so young in your relationship with him that you'll only do it for that purpose, start it there and let the relationship grow. Would you come to the front? Let's close. I got one last little thing. And we're going to enter into some worship. Jamie's going to lead us in worship. Worship team's going to lead us. Press on in real tight. Get as close as you can. Get everybody in the prayer area if you can. Jesus, Jesus. Kevin. Did anybody tell you to put on your seatbelt today? <laughs> I told him, that, I, told, I hope Kelvin's here at the second service. Somebody tell him to put on his seatbelt. This is one of those. My goodness, there's so much stuff. I got, about, I got about two pages of stuff I just need to post on Facebook this week that I, need, I can't get to. How in the world do you preach the story of God? How many of you have ever gotten one of these? How many of you have ever written one of those? <laughs> and what do you do when you write it? Pass it across the room and then you sit and wait and sit and wait and sit and wait. God wrote one too. God wrote one. He said, I love you. Do you love me? And he's waiting. He's waiting for you to check a box. Yes, no, I didn't put maybe up. We, we can't deal with maybe. Yes, no. He's waiting. Would you answer? Would you answer his love letter today? Would you check a block? We're done. But you're just getting started. <laughs>